Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Deputy Editor Sherlyn Lowe. Today, we are still recovering from CES. Uh, it's weird. It's, it's a huge hangover. It lasts a couple of weeks. But there is some news, and it actually turns out there was some huge news this week when the FAA grounded flights across the country on, uh, I believe it was Wednesday morning, um, due to a computer outage. And we will dive into everything that went wrong there, but also... The state of tra- air travel right now in general, um, it seems like it's kind of a mess. Um, airlines are trying to spin back up after, not even after the pandemic, but certainly as we're recovering from the pandemic. And um, it turns out we are seeing a lot of the flaws in our current systems and uh, seems like there's a lot of work that needs to be done. As always, if you're enjoying the show, please be sure to like, subscribe, whatever, on your favorite podcatcher of choice. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, yeah, give us a like there. Drop us an email at podcastengadget.com. You can typically find us Thursdays on our Engadget YouTube live stream at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. If you want to see us live, you can ask us questions. Sometimes we'll show off gadgets. It's a lot of fun. So here's what's up. Wednesday morning, I woke up to a lot of news basically saying that flights across the country have been grounded. And it's a pretty wild situation because it turns out that um, the FAA started learning that there were issues around the NOTAM, the Notice to Air Missions System. And this is what tells the FAA if there's you know any problems on the ground, on runways, if there's any traffic in the air. Basically, it's a big warning system that tells planes like what's up and gives people a lot of warning. Tuesday night, there were a lot of issues with the system. And it turns out as of Wednesday morning, the FAA did what... Um, I feel like everybody does. Like, if you come to me with a computer problem, a tech problem of any kind, I will tell you to please turn it off and on again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. As we have learned from the IT crowd, it is the one golden rule. And the FAA ended up doing that for the NOTEM system on Wednesday morning. Um, I think as of about about 7 a.m., 7.30 a.m., and then by 9.30 a.m., flights were restored. So that was like a whole cascading thing, right? If you had a flight before 9.30 a.m., it was basically canceled or delayed. Um, thousands of flights across the country were canceled and delayed. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like um, here are the numbers. 9,000 flights had been delayed. 1,300 had been canceled. Kind of a huge mess, like a huge cascading mess. And I feel like a lot of people may have just slept through it. You know, it's one of those mm-hmm. things that like came and went unless you were traveling or watching the news. Probably had no idea this was happening. I found this to be kind of odd and kind of a sign of like how fragile our infrastructure is. What did you think, Sherlyn? You know, you travel a lot. You you get a full sense I just of got our back. airplane system. Yeah, you just got back from CES. Um, I don't know if you were affected by the Southwest air travel stuff too over mm-hmm. the holidays. But yeah, what were your thoughts hearing this? First of all, I this is my first time hearing all the details. The scale yes. of it, the like number of flights. I kind of had a sense preparing for the show what was sort of happening. But... I feel like y'all, this country is wild. I always think this country is a big is country. Wild. Every time I, we are a big you're country. You're a big country. Yeah. But you also. We're not Singapore. Um, we're not a freaking just a bit of an island or a bit of what is that, peninsula? We have like one. Yeah. No, we're an island. We're an island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have one main airport and one like military oh, sort of oh, quieter, smaller airport. That's so hard. It must be so hard to take care of all that, surely. Oh, yeah. But our airport is one of the, like, it's literally the best in the world. But also we have yeah, volume yeah, yeah. too. It's not like we have none. It's not mm-hmm. like, so anyway, we just know, <laughs> you look, don't look at just Singapore. Look at Germany mm-hmm. too, right? Like anywhere, not all German anywhere. airports are great. Yeah. So I, I look, air travel is hard. <laughs> I mm-hmm. get it, right? You have to be so careful. The FAA has to be so careful. And people don't seem to know. Here's what frustrates me is that like, I don't, I I can be a bit of a like, 
easy to irritate sort of person. I I am very sensitive. So, Sherlyn can oh, yeah, be. I know. Easy oh yeah, the irritate? number of times I've gone mad at Devendra for no reason. Yeah. So <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm a, also a seasoned traveler. I'm the sort of person I have TSA pre. Mm-hmm. I'm like walking mm-hmm. through security because mm-hmm. I know exactly what to take out and like yeah. have ready and how You're like pack. George Clooney at the beginning of Up in the Air. You're just like flying through airports. You know exactly what sure. to do. Yeah. Totally. And um, that's why when I see people not doing the so-called right thing, I get very frustrated. So like when the plane <laughs> is taxiing, someone just stands up and takes their stuff out. Of, I'm like, that's an FAA thing. Come that's, on, that's, sit that's the a, hell nobody, down. Nobody, I mean, that's whole that's whole etiquette thing. And I feel like etiquette so, across society has broken exactly. down in general. Have you experienced any weirdness in terms of your flights, like more delays, more, just more annoyances when it comes so, to actual flying these yeah. days? Mm-hmm. Um, I was so stunned when I came back from CES. My All my travel for CES went like clockwork. Really, amazing. nothing bad happened. Amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. Re- really, the main issue I had with, with CES travel was the plane on the flight back was too cram. It was just tiny. I'm not a big person. And I came back with like a pinched neck. Mm. It was really bad. But I did in May, right as uh, last May in 2022, right as I think everyone was sort of getting out of their homes and traveling for the first time since the pandemic. Um, I had flights canceled on me, right? Like I had, uh, I flew to Maine and Maine had this tiny, Portland, Maine had this tiny little airport, small little runway. I have questions about why you went to Portland, Maine of all places, but okay. Oh, I love that place. I mean, you're a big well, Stephen King fan, I guess. Like, you really got to check no, out his, his hometown. I just, yeah, his home Yeah, area. sure. And <laughs> also lobster cruises. And, like, my parents were sick of New York. I was like, what's a good place to take them that isn't, like, racist, you know? So, anyway. Wow. You just really don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I Manies, was like, all right, well, are fun. Yeah. Yeah, but there's those people in every state. Anyway. Yeah. Yep, um, yep, yep. Let's, let's. But back to the, the travel story with Maine, right? Like, the what happened was it was raining in New York. And so, again, the same issue, cascading flow of events. Like, my first flight got canceled. We were, I tweeted angrily. So we were, I was informed by Zach Honig from the points guy. He was like, oh, I see that this airline is still flying out. He was trying to help. And I booked the next flight, the flight that he recommended. I think it was a Delta flight. We got to the airport uh, with, like, time to spare for that, like, rebooked flight. Only to find out it got canceled, like, while we were there, like, at the airport. Like, United did us a favor by telling us early it was canceled. So we didn't even leave the hotel when we found out. So we were rebooking at the hotel. But then I got there and Delta was like, sorry, bye. And I was like, what? And then they rebooked us on flights the next day. We had to go to different airports. It's a mess. Like, for me, the fact that, like, a little bit of rain can really mess up a person's day. Um, Look, I get it. Weather tricky really shitty to fly in bad weather you don't want to do that i wonder if there's a way around it at all right like other than the computer bugs thing where if you just upgrade your software maybe it will be like it's hard it's hard to upgrade software it's hard to upgrade software at a federal level you know across across the entire country especially when um there have been like a lot of issues so like here is what's up let's let's have some Mm -hmm. more details about this story experts told npr that the NOTAM system has never gone down like it did on wednesday the last time there was a nationwide ground stop um was during 9-11 right and i remember that morning that was a horrible event and it, it was just like a very strange time but not something that happens very often so to see this essentially happen which came down to i believe it was a database flaw as I read in the New York Times, just weird little database bug, and the whole system has to be rebooted. That seems like a problem. Um, Why didn't it come up before? Like, I have so many questions yeah, about yeah. this situation too, right? I'm like, sure what happened? was it a hack? There, there's. It's not a hack. Like from what we can tell, it's not a hack. Uh, in fact, a lot of people are saying our system is actually <laughs> a little protected from cybersecurity because it's all ancient. So it's actually yeah, exactly. it's, it's hard for hackers to get into the connected systems like Notem. Um, Let's just say that the FAA has been under fire for a long, long time. Um, you know, it's it's an underfunded um, agency. It's been going through a lot of issues for a while. Um, in addition to the funding, like people are saying, like these systems have had to be updated for a while. Um, don't forget that the FAA is also under scrutiny because of the Boeing seven thirty seven Max debacle, where I, I feel like we just forget about these things that happen. But remember, Boeing had this plane had two massive uh, crashes in Indonesia and Ethiopia in 2018 and 2019. It killed 346 people. Um, Turns out uh, Boeing ended up paying billions because they sort of lied about the safety information and the information they gave to the FAA about this plane. But also the FAA 
outsourced their oversight to Boeing um, to basically regulate itself as they were developing this plane. Um, I'm reading from the New York Times, that practice was allowed under federal law partly because the agency didn't have the resources to do the work on its own. And that is just like a funding and a resource level issue. So, hey, Boeing screwed up, but man, I think the FAA, whose job it is to like make sure air travel and the equipment going out there um, is safe. Like it also seems like a big screw up on their part. So our I... system has been a mess for a while. The pandemic sort of, exacerbated a lot of this but yeah thoughts it's like it's like the companies make a lot of money they have 2.5 billion dollars to pay and the people that need the money like the faa to really do the right thing and 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 like really make sure things are safe for us passengers don't have the money it's just i don't know something feels that's that's government baby that's that's i know it's like the system we're living in where you know the companies can make a, a crap ton of money you know um but the FAA's funding comes down to what um, I think Congress gives them, right? Like it comes down to what lawmakers allow. Um, I have read that this year that the FAA's like overall, um, I think platform, like their their funding and everything is going to be reworked this year. So maybe lawmakers can be like, hey, maybe, maybe we should give them a little more money. Maybe we should like support this platform. Yeah. I'm going to rant about something that we, I'm sure, have all thought and no one's, I'm sure people have ranted about before too, right? Which is that... These, so, so, okay, so the Congre- Congress has to be like, okay, here's a new budget for the FAA. That money is going to come from somewhere. They're going to take it from somewhere else, or they're going to increase taxes or whatever. They're going to find somewhere else to take that money from. I'm just mad that we also gave the airlines a bailout during the pandemic. These guys make a crap ton of money. So, so, That's okay. a whole so let's separate say, issue, but yes. I, I know. Agree. It's mm-hmm. a totally separate issue. But, like, ima- we already, like, have to, you know... Our taxes fund, I guess, the FAA, right? Mm-hmm. Am I wrong there? Uh, no. It depends. It's complicated. Uh, partially, okay. yes. Partially, other okay. government programs. Like, money comes from all over the place. Yeah. So we pay the FAA mm-hmm. and we pay the airlines to f- fly on well, their Well, we fund planes. the FAA. We I'm pay, sorry, not pay. My yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. We, we, we help. Our money goes towards our mon- the money FAA goes there. Yeah. from taxes. And then we also pay. Anyway, I'm just ranting about, like you said, a thing that people already are aware of. But like you don't yes. get angry until you think about it. It's it's angering to see. I think I was more angry when Delta was like, oh, man, we're, we're in trouble, guys. The pandemic is killing air travel. We need money. Please give us oh, yeah, some you money. Oh, yeah. You know what I need? Yeah. Leg room. Yeah, you know yeah. what I need? Seat space. But six months Toilets later. that don't close in on me. Anyway, six months hey. later, Delta is like. Oh, we're just going to fire a lot of people. It turns out we can save money by not having flight attendants and other people on staff. Then flash forward another six months, they're like, oh, my God, we don't have anybody to, to man these planes. What's happening I, here? So, yeah. Part of part of this, I feel like we're, I don't know if it's fair to be as upset as I am, because it feels like these are problems that will, like, that, that just happen because they are the way things go. This Unless is the way our society the, set up, yeah. Right, unless there is a way, like someone had incredible foresight and was like, and and some um, some people do. They're just not in the right positions of leadership or authority. But they could be like three months before May, be like, oh, you know what? Maybe people are going to start traveling again. Let's hire people back. No, because they're all looking at bottom line only. This is capitalism. Whatever. You're I'm- not gonna. You're not gonna do the thing that is their their impetus isn't to like do what's best for their customers, right? It's to do what makes them the most money and what makes the stockholders happy. And unfortunately, a lot of the times that involves like, hey, cutting as much money as you can. Oh, oh, people are complaining now. Let's rehire people, um, treating people like pawns rather than like, you know, actual The other beings. thing yeah. that annoys me is that we're seeing a lot of good practices emerge in businesses in specific industries. I, I think there are some startups in tech that are doing better things, at least in HR, right? Like they're treating their workers mm. better or whatever. They're but all trying. Yeah. Some, some, I know. Mm-hmm. But then you look at airlines and the airline industry, and I haven't seen disruption on that level at all. I don't see it like a little upstart. Is it's that because hard like, to dis- It's hard. To, how, do you, how do you disrupt an airline, right? You, exactly. You, you, be, you become Richard Branson. And you start Virgin, you know, like Virgin's not really doing well. The either, the yeah. the thing, yeah, that's a whole other problem. But the only way to disrupt the airlines is to become an airline and be a billionaire and be able to afford that. So anyway, Jeff Bezos Air, Amazon Air, they are actually already have planes for shipping. Um, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But I just want to bring up like this whole issue because it was only a couple of weeks ago when Southwest's uh, system completely collapsed over the holidays. And that was a whole separate thing. It wasn't tied to the FAA, but it was tied to the way Southwest 
basically um, books flight attendants. Like that's what it really came down to. It was an archaic system of predicting where flight attendants are um, and trying to like book, like get them to work on a nearby flight or something. And apparently it was a very old system. It was not something that could be easily changed. And as flight delays and the weather over the holidays really like hit a lot of flights, um, Southwest just couldn't recover. Every other airline had a few, like they had delays, but Delta, everybody else um, kind of figured out the situation. Southwest basically collapsed under this. So more than 2,500 flights just on the Wednesday during the holiday season. So I I forget the exact day that was, uh, but 62% of Southwest flights were canceled that one day. Um, Just a complete meltdown. There was a lot of footage of people stuck in airports basically saying, oh, we were trying to travel for Christmas or trying to go somewhere warm you're just screwed, right? Like you, yep. people tr- stuck in airports for days. Um, Southwest is the biggest airline in America when it comes to the amount of passengers. So maybe not the most planes, but they move a lot of people because they're relatively cheap and they have like a lot of systems in place to like keep things going. Turns out it just kind of fell apart because of this. They're going to have like a federal investigation into that as well. I'm sure the NOTAM system uh, outage today is something that uh, the federal government's also going to be looking at. But it points to like the, just the bigger problems we're having all around. You know, our systems are falling apart. Um, air travel in particular is very unique, right? Because it relies on a lot of people we don't normally see. It relies on the availability of pilots and flight attendants. And there's a shortage of them. A lot of people have been fired and laid off. Um and we're relying on ancient systems, too, that don't really recover as well when there are issues. So we don't I, really I have a solution. It just seems like a mess. Yeah. I mean, again, this is a unique situation. I think the the Southwest one was a fairly, like, tricky situation. I know a lot of people who were stranded during the holidays. A lot of people who thought they were going to spend Christmas with family, like, you know, across the nation were, you know, not... We're just stuck at home. So, but the thing is, I was just having a conversation with someone recently around security. And the problem with things like security and regulations is that so often they're focused on specific parts of the mainstream that you tend to ignore or neglect the um, oldest technologies as well as the newest technologies, right? So if we ignore the, like, let's set aside the conversation around the fact that cryptocurrencies need like a lot of regulation and a lot of security, like scrutiny. We're also looking at these ancient systems, like you said, and it's not just airlines because airlines, again, a unique sort of chaos because of all the moving pieces. I I believe, I think United uh, pilots were recently uh, striking as well to demand fair wages and that sort of thing. We, We can't just, like we we I think we'll fall into the trap of being too like n- narrow focused if we only focus on airlines right now. We need to look at all the other industries sure, that are using sure. ancient. Software. I mean, rail, like, medical, banking, medical banking, rail. I mean, the freight, uh, our freight rail system could have collapsed over the past couple of weeks yeah. because workers were just like were demanding a couple days of uh, sick leave that was actually paid. Um, yeah. There's a lot of terrible systems in place that have just coasted so far because of no scrutiny because they're still running. Let's not. Sure. What's that saying that like if something's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't well, rock, no. Don't rock the boat. Don't rock the boat. Yada yada yada. L- fix it in Singapore. I sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry mm-hmm. to bring up Singapore as a shining beacon <sighs> of greatness. Let's talk about but the every... state of Singapore. Yes. Go. Yeah. No. That's there's a lot of problems with Singapore. But every five years, this government like gives everything sort of a facelift. We sure. like look at what's cracked and what's sort of like foundationally challenged and try to like make it so it will last forever, yeah. right? We keep refreshing things. I think Singapore has the ability, you know, like We're small. A, a lot, but small, but also the government can just point at something and be like, fix that. Yep. And in America, it's it's harder, so right? Because you have team. to get Congress to agree on funding. You have to get the so actual strategies uh, approved. You have two uh, warring political factions. One, which, hey, However you want to see it. I think one side uh, literally does not want to fix anything and is happy to see things break and complain when it falls apart. And the other side is like, just let's, let's just like regulate better. Let's get more funding to things. Let's hire more people. Um, it is hard to fix things. And I think anybody who's worked in government um, has probably realized this. My wife used to work uh, for, the, for the DOE of New York. And just like hearing about the things that would happen, just like, can we get this school? little little more money for the kids and it just like makes you want to 
rub your temples and have a migraine because nothing can actually be fixed. So it, it's we're this is all ranty stuff, but I think the bigger takeaway here is that yeah, we are seeing a lot of systems fall apart. We are seeing a lot of like older ancient tech that we have relied on and we just kind of hope and praise it keeps working and that's starting to crumble. So I'm hoping that we're starting to see like, okay, there, there are alternatives. We also don't have to fly everywhere. We also don't have to drive everywhere. Maybe, maybe some of this attention should also be pushed back to, let's see what we could do with rail. Let's see what we could do, like maybe building Amtrak back up. And I know something uh, people... People talk about Joe Biden like being the Amtrak guy. He loves trains. Well, it turns out tra trains are pretty cool. Trains are pretty chill where you don't have to deal with a lot of the garbage you do on an airline, even if you're traveling longer. Like, I I would rather... It's longer. I would rather sit on a train for six to seven hours, you know, rather than do all the crap you need to do to take a two-hour flight. You right. know, get to the airport, get ready, go through security, um, be sandwiched in a tin can and not, like, have any food. You could... To take a train, it's so easy. It's so right, but that's chill. and that's yeah. why hyperloop technology is is so exciting for some people right now, right? People want to want to have the same travel time as air travel, but none of that like really maybe. irritating. Maybe we we don't but, you don't, don't need to go to hyperloop. You just need to go to high speed rail. You just need to yeah. We we have technology. We have the Excel lines in the Northeast Coast. Um, you bring up hyperloop, and it's funny, Sherlyn. I don't know. Um, did you see that video of the one like hyperloop tunnel? In Las Vegas, mm -hmm. that's oh, currently yeah, it was stuck, running. Right? No, it's just it's it was garbage. Full of traffic. It's garbage. Really? It's a dumb idea. It's one tunnel that fits one Tesla at a time at that one somebody time. Yeah, still yeah. needs to drive. You still need to. Oh my God! They invented public transportation in the dumbest, worst, most expensive way possible. So, yeah, systems like that probably won't save us. But maybe with a lot of these things falling apart, we could take a closer look at like, hey, maybe maybe getting some people to take trains rather than flights everywhere. That's actually something um, talking about like a country that can just like do things. But that's something that's helped China out a lot over the past couple decades is like they just like high speed rail everywhere and flights within the country just kind of evaporated because it's easier to take a super fast train two cities a couple hundred miles apart rather than the mess of air travel and it's cheaper too and it's better for the environment because these are these are electric trains um but anyway that's a whole mess um who knows what's going to happen to this but we're going to stay on top of the story because we we all fly flying is something we all do and i wish it was safer i wish it was more secure and i wish like we weren't relying on ancient systems and Sherlyn, i think you wanted to bring up something too about flying <laughs> that okay. you're concerned about so I'm not so much concerned about this. I, you're as very I am concerned. Amused. I am uh -huh. mostly amused and also kind of kind of intrigued. I kind of want to be a part of this. Anyway, I saw on Reddit the other day something called Delhi Mike. I don't know if y'all <laughs> have heard of. No, this I'm thing. hungry now though. Okay. Uh, no, don't be because this is a, a plane that appears to be haunted. Uh, it's, it's not, it's, it's, uh, it's not actually haunted. Basically, from what I can tell, at least from the Reddit scrolling that I did, it is a Turkish Airlines plane, uh, an Airbus A340, and it's known as, and Delhi Mike is not, it's like the Turkish, I guess, name for it. In English, it translates to crazy Mike. It's a, <laughs> it's an unreliable plane that is in Wh service. Why are we still flying this plane? Okay. It, it 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 was in service my it was in service 1996 to 2019 okay, okay? so like a significant still amount of time mm -hmm. something like 25 years okay uh and it would do things like randomly things would flicker on and off i don't know, like something would like break mid during your flight and people would be just like oh yeah that's crazy mike it's uh, just mike. like the plane is it's not what i want to hear when i'm in the air, in the when air. I'm tens of thousands of feet in the air that's not what i want to hear just uh i want to do yeah and so, mm -hmm. so according to some of the the technicians, uh, part of the uh, maintenance subsidiary of Turkish Airlines, they would say things like, "Oh yeah, Delhi Mike can fly to the other side of the world without any problems if she wants to, but if she doesn't feel like it, she won't move even one like meter on the ground." Uh, uh, what? So like you load all these passengers onto Delhi Mike and uh, you just wait and hope for the best. And if she feels like it, she might crash. If she mm -hmm. doesn't feel like it, she won't. You know, it, like it seems oh. bad. So it it's seems, not just America. I guess it's not just America. I mean, listen, we 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 do wax poetic about other countries and how they handle systems. I, I have bet my worst flight experiences have been in Germany, 
because of freaking I, I flew at a point where I think it was Berlin Air was just like, hey, we're we're going to be bankrupt. So I was on a plane there. I saw that news on my phone as I was like getting on a flight to eventually end up in Cologne. I was like, uh-huh, this seems bad. Flight was delayed two hours. I get there. The transfer just wasn't happening at the proper time. So they, the transfer plane took my bag. I got stuck at the airport um, probably in Berlin oh, no. for, for like a, an hour or two. Several days went by until I could actually get my bag back. Because Cologne, you have to go into one of the little planes. The little planes are terrifying. The little planes with the giant propellers. I'm I like those, but yeah. They're very cute. But I'm also like, I do we still do this? Is this still a thing? <laughs> this is like a giant boat plane with two huge propellers, and it took like 20 people to Cologne. Um, anyway, we there are a lot of issues. Certainly, There's a lot, lot of, of other, yeah. And and to your point, right, there's other countries have airline issues as well. Like Ryanair and EasyJet, I think, have bad reputations for a reason. Just, I don't know if it's I mean, Ryanair just for or... the clientele, but yeah. Exactly, right. Like, like it's cheaper budget airlines that was the last time the airline industry was uh disrupted which is when they introduced like shorter domestic and much cheaper flights much without cheaper any flights. full service which without meals for some consumers is ended up being good things that was southwest in the u.s that was spirit and a lot of things eventually they all got kind of expensive and actually the the process of being a consumer in those flights is kind of awful it's like being cattle on and then a, the on big airlines box. just yeah. borrowed their ideas like oh if we mm -hmm. if people will fly things without food we'll just stop giving people we'll food just stop giving people food let's take away all the screens all the screens yeah. behind their chairs just take yeah. those away we don't need those you can anymore. pay for that yeah, yeah. oh uh, pay to pay to choose your seat is my my favorite oh my one God. most recently That's, yep okay so podcast producer ben also mentioned something uh news that we had seen uh it turns out like elon musk basically announced hyperloop to block calrail or to block any development of it. And this this is a sort of like insidious thing too, where new technologies can be like, oh yeah, we, we got this solved. We've got this new tech. We could totally build it. It's totally legit. Um, don't worry about funding any of this other stuff that could actually help people. And to me, that is one of those insidious, unforgivable things where I'm like, oh man, they, they, they've been trying to get CalRail moving for a while. There have been all sorts of forces within California to stop that. Um, Huge roadblock. And we, hey, we have one Hyperloop running now and it's a complete, just just like a future disaster. It looks like something you would see uh, in Total Recall or something. At least Total Recall had like robot taxi drivers that worked, but like a very dumb future. I think I think that's the thing that's angering me the most. The future shouldn't be so dumb, folks, and at least um, the systems we rely on shouldn't be. I also want to point out, um, because um, a person in our chat uh, mentioned how bad airlines up. Uh, Remington Hollow, I believe, said airlines also mishandle and break and damage wheelchairs yeah. uh, often. Yep. And I want wheelchairs, to say another thing. Yeah. Another thing that I'm really upset, and, and, and I'll end this on like a future-looking note, but like I'm really upset about how so uninclusive airlines are if you're a person with disabilities if you're a person that is you know overweight or you need more room you just don't you just you have to pay for an extra seat or you have to pay for like three seats or you have to pay for like an upgrade and the way you're treated in that whole process doesn't often come off very humane i just read a really heartbreaking story on reddit about a person that tried to ship themselves to see their dying dad it was not great um i don't want to like pontificate on the morality or whatever the benefits of of it's awful. Like it's size awful. or whatever. I mean, but pets, you, pets it's are not dying. Fair. Yeah. Right. Like that. Then it's, the only the thing I want to stinks. Yeah. Right. So the note I want to end on is like as we look forward and we think about building better systems for us all, please keep in mind that people are all not one size or not all with you know the same able-bodied individuals. Design with more people in mind. Design with a, a broader spectrum of people in mind, I guess. Well said, Sherlyn. Let's move on to some other news. Let's move on to devices, because we are traditionally very, very excited about new types of devices, like dual screen devices, something like maybe the Surface Duo 3, which we supposedly were going to see last year. So, Sherlyn, you've reviewed the Surface Duo 1 and the Surface Duo 2, I think have come basically I think you've been very fair with your reviews with your reviews saying like there are good ideas but there are issues um did you see this story about Microsoft reportedly axing the Surface Duo 3 in favor of a true foldable oh my god yeah you and I you and I both saw this and dropped it in the in our prep for this show uh I am like cool I look I feel I feel bad I feel like there is I feel bad for Microsoft some... yeah 
I've, I think there is some value to a dual screen form factor, but I think Microsoft didn't figure it out. It's sad. But but a lot of people have rightly pointed out that foldables can achieve everything that dual screens can without that hinge in the middle. And the, the thing, the problem with the hinge was Except always that it would yeah. eat content. It would eat mm-hmm, content. Mm-hmm. Other than other than mm-hmm. that, it was fine. But then now people want to move on to like a foldable screen, which is like some people have to live with a crease. Some people hate the crease. So I, I think know. the crease looks really bad too. Like either way is a compromise. Um, I think so. When we first talked about this and when we first uh, got our hands on the Surface Duo, I remember when Microsoft um, when Microsoft basically uh, brought us this small event. We could touch it for like five minutes you know that that was all we had with the surface duo um i came away from that event being like you know what this is this is legit like you can build this right now the dual screen experience isn't great but it's like it's better than what the first galaxy fold was i think at the time um and easier to make and cheaper to make i think michael microsoft fumbled the software basically like the first Surface duo software wise what did was a revamped version of android but nothing special there weren't that too many things there weren't too many things that really took advantage of that dual screen form factor there weren't many third parties really jumping on that either um it also it always felt like a stopgap right it felt like microsoft is going to do this until they could build an actual foldable um did you feel i remember your view was pretty lukewarm on the first surface duo did you feel better on the surface duo 2 do you think they made any improvements the camera was better. Confused. Yeah. Like, no, but the camera was better, but the bump was stupid. The bump was it stupid, was, yeah. But you couldn't flip it all the way around for it to be a single screen-ish device anymore. You couldn't have the two screens facing out without it being, you know, it couldn't be flush anymore. And and the, and like I get it, but the I'm so sorry, the bump was stupid. Um and I think they made some changes. They made that little like um visible little peak bar thing where you could see light hated like, it. It would yeah. light up. Yeah. It, it didn't do much. It's just like every now and then it'd be like, oh, I can see my battery charger status from far away. Uh, it could be a bed night, like a bedside clock or something from far. Like, come on. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel I I feel bad for Microsoft. It tried. I, at least they tried. At least they tried. Remember, um, hey, remember who was it that tried another foldable? Was it Motorola that had that had like they brought back the Razor, the Razor. Yeah, you know. Tried. Yeah. Not everyone tried. Some companies tried. I think Motorola was like, "Hey guys, remember the Razer? It's back and flip like in flip foldable." Motorola phone form. is trying everything. Yeah, uh, talk about the ThinkPhone at CES. So, but anyway. would you be more excited about a true foldable duo, basically, or a foldable surface? Do you have any um, hope that Microsoft could accomplish that? What it, it boils down to what they're trying to make it do. If it's a phone. It's hard to imagine Microsoft and Android, a team up between the two of them being really that great because they have a lot of good software, but I don't know. I, from what I've seen on the duos so far, I'm, I'm not holding my breath. I think for uh, for like a Surface Surface, like a tablet and a foldable tablet, there's it's very intriguing, right? I think that there could one day be a good foldable Surface. I just wonder, I think the keyboard experience is going yeah. to be tricky maybe, to, to master. Maybe the thing is the Surface Neo, which we never actually saw. And that was supposed well, to be... Well, we saw it on Red Notice. I was still... I'm still yeah, pissed. We, we, we saw it a little bit. Um, but never actually came to light. That was the slightly bigger version of the Surface Duo thing that was supposedly going to be running Windows. I do think at some point, Microsoft was just like, you know what? Let's just... Let's just make this an actual foldable computer. You know, like let's, based on what we've seen from Lenovo uh, at CES, and also like Asus has showed off like foldable laptop concepts for a while... I do think like that idea. Microsoft can't build phones, but they can build computers. So maybe taking that energy, give us a little, give me a 10 inch tablet that can fold into a nice, nice little, nice little halvesies. Maybe stick a keyboard in there like they were planning to on the Surface Neo that had the plan to like put the keyboard in the back or something. Um, That, that could be something that could be a computer I walk around with and uh, use as a tablet, but also use as like a laptop when I need to, I think. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Honestly, not a lot of hope right now. I think it'll take at least two more years for Microsoft to really give us something that's compelling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. Um, although, maybe, so the report is basically that the Surface Duo 3 was ready, like pretty much done, and was going to be announced last year, and Microsoft was just like, nah. And doesn't make me think we'll see a foldable this year. But maybe, maybe if they like just, they didn't release that thing, 
sat down like hyper focused on like being like okay we can announce the actual true surface foldable this year and it'll be available next year i think that's possible so maybe by the end of the year we'll hear it i can just i can just yeah. imagine panos in his living room with a grand piano in the background going should we release this yeah no no it's not good enough not good no, enough that's my panos impression that's your that's my panos impression he's uh yeah yeah, uh, Panos Panay, the head of uh, Windows hardware, basically, and Microsoft hardware devices. Uh, love that guy because he truly loves his devices. He also does sometimes come across like a robot. And it's kind of funny. Like, I, I did do an hour-long walk with him around the Surface device that nobody cares about. Um, but it, his intensity around these devices is something. He does have a piano in his house. We actually learned this. And I think during an event... Um, <laughs> His daughter was playing. His daughter was playing, but also he would like be like, you know, sometimes she's just not good enough. (laughs) I wonder, like, is he as intense with his kids? Um, His daughter is named Sophia, just like my daughter. Um, I do remember that. I do remember, like, are you as intense with your kids? We're not going to ship this piano recital. (laughs) You're not passing QA. Sorry. (laughs) Or just ships it with bugs. Just ships it with bugs. (laughs) No, no. Panos will not ship anything with bugs. Um, in other news, in other news, uh, President Biden issued an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal on Wednesday, surprisingly, calling for bipartisan legislation to keep big tech in check. And um, he's basically targeting uh, three overall categories. He's telling um, the two groups to find common ground when it comes to protecting privacy, uh, competition, and kids. Have you like have you seen the news from this uh, from this op-ed trillion? Because it's very it's very interesting. It does seem like um, the idea of Section two hundred and thirty comes up again in terms of reforming it or changing it in a way that makes politicians happy. Do you have any thoughts on this? I mean, the news broke somewhat late yesterday. I haven't really had time to dig in, but I think I, I don't enjoy the adversarial stance people tend to take with these sorts of things. Whereas, like keeping big tech in check or whatever. It's like, yes, we need regulation, but it can also be collaborative. I think it's more, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm naive, right? I feel like maybe if there was mutual education and mutual understanding of what each other wants, uh, I know we can't trust big tech to just do what it, the good thing, the right thing. It sounds like you're assuming everybody are rational agents. And I mean, I've been proven wrong because this country is weird. <laughs> I bet. Not just this country, but everything is kind of falling Everyone, apart. Everyone. Ev- actually, yes. This is Post pandemic. The whole world is weird. Um, mm-hmm. I do think it is um, kind of funny yeah. how when it comes to like big tech legislation or complaining about technology companies, that is sometimes the one thing Democrats and Republicans can both agree on for different reasons. But like every, everybody has their issues with Facebook. Everybody has. Remember when they brought in Mark Zuckerberg and just grilled him? My my favorite is when mm-hmm. they're like, why can't I see my friends post? Like one of the people was like, why doesn't why don't I post up here on this person? <clears throat> I love it when they air their personal grievances. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think like this op-ed and also being in the Wall Street Journal, which is basically overall conservative newspaper, especially on the op-ed side, but basically being in a place where he's like trying to bring people together around some of this stuff. Um, we're talking about the ideas of regulation and kind of like what can help some of these companies get in check. We've been talking about huge, huge mergers um, like Microsoft and Activision Blizzard. Um, those sorts of things, which are currently like in conversation right now. I do think we got to rethink a little bit. And uh, maybe we also need like a whole new generation of lawmakers to kind of come in there to be like, hey, I, I actually know how to, you know, I know how to do this on Instagram and on my phone. Not an idiot, but I have bigger questions about like how certain things work. And I think we are kind of moving towards that. So I guess we'll see. We'll certainly be keeping an eye on this and uh, reporting if any of that actual collaboration ends up happening. Did you see the story, Sherlin, about NASA funding ideas for a Titan seaplane and faster deep space travel? Please tell me more. (laughs) So we have a story here from John Fingus uh, saying NASA is willing to find Unusual concepts, um, it's handing out $175,000 to initial study grants to 14 projects that could be useful in missions uh, in and beyond the solar system. So there's the Titan Air seaplane that could do something like uh, fly through the nitrogen and methane atmosphere of Saturn's moon Titan and sail its oceans. That could be nice. interesting, a flying boat sort of idea. And there are also other ideas about like speeding up uh, missions that are heading towards the outer edge of our solar system and potentially even into interstellar space. So these are all things like we hear about in science fiction. 
we think about like the the techniques we have now are not we we cannot get to um you know we cannot get out of our solar system with the current uh rocket designs and ship designs we have now we're going to need some other ideas so it is this is kind of fun i don't think it's going to amount to much but I, th- I think it's kind of a fun idea is there i know i know you're a big fantasy reader Shalim, but is there like a sci-fi space concept you would like us to see like to actually make a reality uh, like a like a like a something from a show that mm-hmm. i want to be or a, a movie real thing. yeah yeah like the one sonic thing screwdriver obviously like what a- <laughs> i'm thinking i'm I don't thinking think like that- something that's maybe i don't even know if it's more grounded but like the idea of wormholes right the idea that space-time yeah. can bend and connect two potential areas i think the movie interstellar which certainly got a lot of love but i think also needs to be like examined too in terms of like how certain aspects of it do seem like super accurate because they work together with NASA folks to like design the look of a black hole. It turns out like future simulations uh, prove that overall look to be true. Um, But just that idea I think would be kind of cool. I don't know. I'd I'd love to see that proved eventually. Mm -hmm. I'm big into wormholes. That's just me. I will say that our our, uh, producer, Julio Barrientos, says the idea of secure and well-maintained transportation infrastructure is something that he would like to see. That would be great. We can't go into space if we can't even get freaking trains running or built. Yeah, imagine. That is a science fiction idea right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's actually t- kind of tough. Uh, that is something I've noticed too. Like it is harder to imagine a better future when like our current present is such a mess. But anyway, I'm hoping it gets better. Um, we'll see. There's also a story about Hyundai managing to bring its crab walking e corner technology into an Ionic EV. And this is I so do weird. like I do like the idea of crab walking. I like the idea of cars that whose wheels can turn to the side and move directly left or right uh there are some like off-road cars that have the ability to like move their wheels independently this is essentially like you pull up to a parallel parking spot directly next to it your wheels just shift and move your car left or right straight on there's no turning there's no special techniques you just kind of go in um I, I wish this was real. I wish this was like in more things. Uh, the story is that this tech could make its way into production ve- uh, vehicles as early as 2025. Um, Sherlyn is somebody who sort of kind of drives, says she can <laughs> drive. Um, sure. Would you rather do this than learn to parallel park properly? Yes. <laughs> have you ever tried so you, parallel you, parking, parking? You haven't seen this video of me trying to learn parallel parking. Uh, Chris is there Velasco a video? took me to like a, there is a video. I'll send it to you. It's me and Chris Velasco. Uh-huh. He took me to like a very like, um, uh, it's a lot like an empty lot somewhere and uh, As you do. To, he set As up a do. fake parallel parking mm-hmm. sort of situation for me I did it really well and then he goes on he's like alright let's go get a video of this because uh, you're doing it good now right <laughs> I drive to- totally mess up like just knock over the cone and whatever it was great did you um, make it yeah, into no, the this space is, at least no I had to go all the way around again um, but I've made it a few times like I know how to do it it's just uh, that one time on video we were just like dying we were like of course on video it's not. this this looks like it would save me having to learn that I think, I I think it would this. save a lot of people time and also uh, yeah it's it stinks it stinks that we have to like basically do this annoying thing to get into to wedge into spaces also I, I don't know I feel like a lot of cities that have parking shouldn't just be relying on parallels like having things on the parallel um, yeah yeah uh, I got distracted by a dark little tidbit that uh, uh-huh. Julio shared, which is that he learned to park in a, like, learned to drive in a cemetery. Great. That's cool. It's quiet. You can't disturb yeah, anybody. It's an October story. You're disturbing the dead. Yeah, they're fine. They're fine. I do like, uh, I actually just took my wife to also to an empty parking lot to be like, we got we to practice parking. We got to practice some fundamentals. And that, is a, yeah. that was an hour of just being like, yeah, this is going to take a while. <laughs> So yeah. no, whatever I'm, tech I'm we can we can do. Yeah, exactly. Whatever tech. Exactly. Give me all give me all the tech. We're gonna need all the tech. Crab walking. Crab um, walking it is. Let's move over through a couple other stories. We do know some events are coming up soon. Xbox and Bethesda announced uh, that there's going to be a showcase of games on January 25th, including Redfall, Forza Motorsport, and others. Starfield, I feel like the game a lot of people are waiting for that is the big like sort of open space game epic uh coming from bethesda um that is going to have a whole separate event later in the year um i'm not sure if any of this means anything to you uh sherlyn but i do think redfall we've gotten some more details about redfall that does sound super cool like a sort of like I mean, systems I, based yeah i mean this is xbox i don't have an xbox yeah i know i should get the xbox game pass you should get thing. game pass you should stream some games you could do that on anything you could do that on your computers right now and you could do it on a chromebook 
Amazingly. I know. Amazing. Um, I, know. I mean, listen, I we will. introduced Trillin to Vampire Survivors and they lost you for was... like a week. I think you've already yeah, fucked like no, 50 no, no. hours. Two yeah. weeks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I've, I've maxed out everything. I'm I'm elite at this game. I am so good. Have you killed death yet? I'm There's a death? You can okay. kill death. Oh, you're not good <laughs> enough if you, have, if you haven't seen death yet, Trillin. I'm sorry. I've stopped I've stopped at the third like unlocked area. Uh, and then I was like, this is repetitive. If you last God. for longer than half an hour, you have to learn about weapon evolutions. You got to learn about if you last. I have for, weapon evos. Yeah. yeah. If you've lasted over half an hour, death shows up and just kills you. But well, if you're good enough, you could kill him right back. I didn't know that was going to happen because I sat there for 20 minutes waiting <laughs> uh-huh. to die because I literally just sat there. I was so overpowered at this mm. point. Nothing could get at me. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. And I was God level. And then nothing. I was like, oh, I guess I beat the game, right? Because I'm sitting there waiting to die and nothing is happening. So now that I know death will get me, just I would go back and going. let death get me. Keep going. Mm-hmm. Let death get you. Or maybe you'll be powerful enough to defeat death which is the ultimate goal, I would say. Um, you also wrote up, uh, or at least brought up the story, Shalin. There is another Samsung event, the first uh, yeah. of the year happening on February 1st. What can, can you give us some thoughts of what you expect there? Yeah, this is usually the Unpacked where we see the Galaxy S flagships of the year. Uh, and to be clear, the Galaxy S flagship line now includes what was formerly the Note line, right? Because the Ultra has taken over as the stylus phone for Samsung. So, you know, on February 1st, we're expecting to see at least two flagship S series phones, if not three. Typically, we see the S, the S22 this year it'll be S23 right so that's 23 S23 plus S23 ultra it really does um, feel like 23 years since we've been seeing galaxy phones like uh, did they they had a big number jump at some point right they did what was they the did. big the, jump? uh they jumped from 10 to 20 um, <laughs> <laughs> i think after after apple was like oh we're we're catching up you're we're on like iphone you know 14 now 10. samsung yeah, is yeah, just yeah. like 20 Sure. Yeah, they went yeah. from the S10 to S20. We're like, oh yeah, cool, cool. Numbers we all were like, yeah, that makes sense. Nothing, nothing well, because, matters. Yeah. Right, but it matches now with the year, right? So that <laughs> that sort of makes sense. Yeah. Okay, like, sure. You know, S23 for 2023. Sure, sure. It totally makes actually, sense. Actually, and actually, I guess it's better than saying both Galaxy S13 and Gal and iPhone 13. Right. Like in the same like, right. a completely different way to differentiate yourself. Okay. I'm sure yeah. we're gonna hear um, more about this event. Are you are you yeah. excited, Sherlyn, for no. Samsung, your favorite company to cover? I just finished CES, bros. Give me, like, give us a break. I, I just, but it's it, it, it. People might be confused because the event is February first. But remember, we get starting. We start to cover these things ahead of time. So, yeah, there's a very short break. But this is better than the year they did their event right after CES. Oh so God. you know what? Thank you, disaster. Samsung, for waiting a few weeks. Thank you. Thank you for waiting a few weeks. Give us time so. to take take a break. <laughs> You also had the story, Sherlyn, or you brought it up about Google decoupling some Android accessibility features from OS updates. And this is yeah. something Google has done before to basically make it easier to update specific things. Uh, what's going on here? Yeah, this is specific to the, uh, I believe, certain apps that allow uh, accessibility features that uh, used to be st- like updated alongside your OS update, which sucks, right? Mm-hmm, then you have to wait mm-hmm. for the OS you have to wait for the cycle whole thing. to get yeah. new features. Mm-hmm. Right. And decoupling it from that means you can also carry it to other phones. So older phones that might not be on the same OS level or or newer phones that are on different OS levels may be able to also run uh, the app that you need to get your accessibility features. So I just thought that this was a nice, thoughtful thing. Um and it again, you know me, I love to do the accessibility For shout sure. outs. And so. also more features. I remember when in Google Play stuff at one point was broken out from yes. the security. overall, yeah, the security stuff. So that like really helped ramp up uh, security patches and that made life a lot better for all of us. So yeah. Cool. Thank you, yeah. Shalyn. So the. It- and, and and just to be extra clear, so what's happening is Google's taking out some of these accessibility features that used to be just built into Android settings and stuff like that into a separate app called Switch Access, which is what is enabling the the individual like updates and update cycle things. I kind of, you know what, I have not had an Android phone, or at least I have I have a couple actually, but I haven't like spent a lot of time with one for a while. So I think I got to get like one of the new Pixels or something. Like I'm feeling the itch just to play more with Android. So and we shall Pixel's see. Great. If only there were good Android tablets, you know. If only. Well, you could get a Samsung. So I, c- I could. I could. I actually have a <laughs> Galaxy Tab S two or three from like no, from ten no, years no, ago, no. and uh, it's pro- that screen it's no longer running. It's still great. That screen though, it's like it was an OLED screen back then, and they were the first to bring it to to like any tablet, and it still looks good. Let's uh, look at some news happening around Engadget. Um, just want to shout out our review of HBO's The Last of Us, which it turns out is pretty good. 
Um, Nathan Ingram wrote up the review for us, and he is our resident like Last of Us uh, stan. Just loves everything about that game, and I think he was really happy to find that the show um, brought like it. It does cover a lot of the same things as the first game, but there are some major narrative changes. There are some changes for storylines for side characters that I think people found really impactful. And I think overall, like people are loving the show. The reviews have been super positive. So I cannot wait to check this thing out um, when it premieres on HBO very soon. Don't have the exact date in front of me, um, but it seems it seems good. Like this is really all we could hope for. So yeah, looking forward to checking this out and check out our review. Hey, mm-hmm. And speaking of HBO uh, breaking news as of right now as we're recording this, but HBO Max just announced its first price hike, um, which will be effective today, the 12th of January. The the ad-free version of HBO Max uh, will start to cost, I believe, $15.99 plus taxes, which it used to cost $14.99. That's not too bad. I do feel like a lot of people may also get these things from their cell carriers and other things. So I I forget where I'm getting HBO Max from at this point. I got mine from my my Verizon package, former, former employers. We also have a story about the best streaming devices you can buy in 2023 by Nicole Lee. And uh, pretty much what you expect. But, uh, you know, we've got the Roku Streaming Stick 4K, um, which I I really genuinely love. I still think the Apple TV 4K is, especially now that the price is better and it's coming with the better remote, it's still like the best overall one, especially if you're in the Apple ecosystem. But Roku stuff is fantastic. Um, do you have a preference, Trillin? Like, do you could, would you rather have the Chromecast rather than a Roku or an Apple TV? Um, currently, I have a Google TV mm-hmm. that also has a Chromecast with Google TV mm-hmm. plugged in, as well as Apple TV. Um, I use Apple TV as my backup and failsafe whenever my Chromecast is being weird. Um, I generally prefer the Chromecast because I use Cast a lot. I use a lot of Google. So again, I'm a Google girl. Also, shout out to that one person who tried to call me uh, an Apple stan uh-huh. or something on the YouTube comment. I was like, you're so far from the truth, the, but okay. It turns out no, they don't know what they're talking about ever. Believe what you want, bro. But uh, I, yeah, so so I'm a big Google stan. And I think that's why I'm still like, a big Chromecast user. I'm glad I'm glad like Google has not fully collapsed and given up on Chromecast or the idea of Chromecast like they have for so many other consumer products. So, hey, glad that's still going strong. I'm glad they has Android TV built in right now, too. So it's all real mm-hmm. good. Let's move on Google to what TV, we're yeah. working on. Um, I'm prepping for Sundance, which is actually beginning next week i am not traveling there i wish i was i wish i had the, like the time and energy to um but i'll be covering a lot of stuff remotely um truly normally you cover that with me but i know you'll be off for a bit um to yeah, enjoy no. your time off but maybe you can catch some movies i will be yeah i'm registered for sundance i'm gonna help try to watch some of the movies i will be spending next week with my family spending Chinese New Year with my family in person for the first time in 10 years, y'all. Chinese New Year is huge for me. Um, and I've never spent it like in person with my family. Like haven't done it in 10 years. I am looking forward to it, y'all. Very cool. Very cool. Is there anything you're working on you want to shout out? Uh, let me think. Okay. Oh, well, so uh, mm-hmm. usually my end of year accessibility update yeah. uh, is published before the <laughs> end of the year uh but last the last few weeks i've just been sick and sick and sick so it got a little delayed and so that is coming out uh it's being edited so look for it i think some point this week very cool let's move on to our pop culture picks what do you have again you're trying to keep secrets from me so what do you have in store (laughs) Honestly, this isn't like a big secret. I managed to catch up on some movies and shows I've been meaning to watch. Uh, I saw I saw Glass Onion. We were talking about Yay. Glass Onion, mm-hmm. right? A while ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, finally saw it. Great. Loved it. Uh, and I also saw The Menu. I think, I'm not sure if we've mentioned it on the show. I forget show. if I mentioned, mentioned it, but I did like The Menu. Yeah. yeah. I don't think we've, we've mentioned it. So this is our official recommendation. The Menu is incredible. It features Rafe. Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes, who I know him best as Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Beca- so this <laughs> because is the Voldemort. only movies you watch are like little franchisings. Yes, yes. Yeah. So anyway, Vol- this is Voldemort as a chef, basically, right? Uh, <laughs> Voldemort as Gordon I, I mean, Ramsay. How about that? Voldemort as Ramsay. No, Gordon Ramsay is less dead. Like, oh, uh, Gordon Ramsay Gordon is, is an angry, mean man. But yes, yes, yes. He, he yeah. does so kind of... Vo- th- there's a point in that movie where he goes full on yeah. Gordon Ramsay. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're going to do that? Yeah, kind of. You're cooking the scallop kinda. like that? Oh, look at this. Yeah. Look at this delicious yeah. meal he's creating for us. So that's it's, fun. 
amazing. Mm-hmm. Ray finds places very well. He brings the perfect amount of Voldemort to Gordon Ramsay, um, which is quite a lot. Uh, but also stars uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, who Nicholas Holt, yes. who I love. Um, and she's great in this as well. Basically, really looking at class and um, just snobbery, really. Uh, he Ray finds his character, finds his character, runs this very like high-end uh, restaurant that costs like $1,200 per seat uh, to eat. It's on an island you get to take a boat. Yeah. Yeah, it's very exclusive. It's almost and like those, Glass Onion, right? Those Except- restaurants do exist. Actually, and yeah, it yes. is sort of like Glass Onion, but those restaurants do exist. There's one in yeah. near Seattle. There are others like in Europe, yeah. I believe, too. It does. It, it, that movie hits at something which always kind of irks me about like fine dining, where I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't feel you comfortable pay- here. You pay a lot. And then you don't feel you pay twelve hundred dollars to yeah. eat a morsel of food like it's like one and then like so the movie also pays a lot of attention to like the the food shots right they mm-hmm. hired a whole different um, production team just to shoot the menu shots and the food like stuff and they really hired people who have experience in kitchens to play some of the chefs here yeah. I mean I watched I went down the rabbit hole of like watching the behind the scenes <laughs> stuff too I mean it's 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 just really great if you're you know in the mood for a very wacky but on ultimately dark show yeah. um. And it's kind of a comedy too, right? It's it's funny. Like it's a dark comedy. It's funny. I'd say. But also I'm some, I watch a lot of chef's table. I watch a lot of things about food culture and dining. I'm like, I don't like, I like hearing about these things and learning about them. I don't necessarily like going to a lot of these restaurants. So this is sort of like a rebuttal to that whole idea of fine dining. Anyway, if you liked this, Sherlyn, I have a movie for you. It's called. But I have a second thing to talk about after this. But But related to this, you should see Pig which is the Nicolas Cage movie about oh, no. a man who loves his pig, but he's a former star chef. And that movie is wild and goes places. So anyway, check that out. What's your okay. next movie? Okay. So my next my next thing is something you've actually talked about before on this show. I'm pretty sure it's Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. I've, I was just watching it on Netflix because I was suddenly in the mood for horror. Holy it's good. Wow. It's good. Um, I had to skip that one. The reason I remembered you mentioned it is because uh, the second episode the is rats? the junkyard. The rats. rats. Yeah. You don't want to watch refused. that one. I did not. No. I did not. I skipped it. I skipped it. My phobia was That one is like, your oh nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. My literal nightmare. So, so the first episode was great. Uh, it was about, uh, I can't remember now. You know why? Because the third episode, the one that stars F. Murray Abraham. F. Murray Abraham. Love him. My God. That- that episode called the Aut- autopsy. So good. Oh Whole man. Oh, best man. one of the best things on television I've seen. Like the ending, it's just so gripping. It's ridiculous. The the storytelling is great, and every every episode in this series, um, even though it's helped like created by Guillermo del Toro and is introduced by him every so every He's episode is yeah, but. Right, but the every episode is directed by a different yes. director. So this and was David some, Pryor. This was David Pryor, and he did a movie called The Empty Man, which is another like cool, weird, creepy horror movie. I think you'd appreciate it. Um, but yeah, they, I feel like loved, loved, loved this one. I loved mm-hmm. the next episode, which was about this beautiful lotion thing that this woman applies, and in the hopes of being. It reminded me of Black Mirror. Basically, this is Black Mirror, but with a lot more, with horror, more horror. And I loved it. I mean, it's back yeah. to like Twilight Zones, back to like um, oh, Tales so from the good. Crypt a little bit too. So well done. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of. Every episode was very Every well episode is. There's no bad ones. Um, I will say some are like outright. Some are just weird. There's one called The Viewing by Panos Cosmatos. And he's a guy. He's a director of like completely trippy, surreal things. So it is. Is just a wild experience. It's more like a drug trip than anything. And the final one, it's called The Murmuring, which I think is actually one of the best overall. Like, it's basically a movie. It's a short film. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, that's the one. One yeah. of the best um, horror things. And honestly, one of the best things made last year. So check check out all this. There's no bad episodes, yeah. you know? Yeah. Except for the rats one. <laughs> Except for the rats one. Okay. I get it. I want to shout out a movie that I also think you'd enjoy, which is called The Big Four. And this premiered a couple weeks ago on Netflix. It's directed by Timo Chajanto, an Indonesian director who's made some great action movies like The Night Comes for Us. Um, he has worked with Iko Uwais, who has been in like um, what the Raid movies and things like that. This movie is yep. a lot of fun. If you liked watching old school Jackie Chan movies, like 80s, 90s Jackie Chan movies, which are like a little bit silly. A little, a little bit fun. Uh, this one's about a family of elite assassins, but they're kind of goofy and they're kind of fun. Um, something happens to their family and they basically break apart and have to come together for a mission of revenge. But it's also, it's very sweet. I think overall, like it's just a lot of fun. The action is really well done too. 
I like all the characters. I love all the actors in here too. Um, and Timo is just like, I think one of the more interesting action directors right now. So if you want, like, I, I watched so many movies guys. Like I watched like 20 to 30 movies in December preparing for top 10 lists and preparing for all the stuff I have to do for critics groups. I'm a part of, I'm part of the Atlanta film film critic circle. Um, I watched a lot of stuff. Most of it's really depressing and very much like prestige movies. So I wanted some fun action. This movie certainly delivered. That's the big four. It's on Netflix right now. Is it a, is it in Bahasa or in English or it is, I believe it's in Bahasa. Yeah. Nice. Okay. I need to practice. That's it for the episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Benton Elman. You can find Davindra online at... I don't know, Twitter. I'm still doing Twitter. I can't quit Twitter, so I'm at Davindra on Twitter. I'm Davindra at Mastodon.social on Mastodon, and I podcast about movies and TV at the Filmcast at thefilmcast.com. If you want to practice Bahasa Indonesia or Malayu with me, I am at Sherlyn Lowe, also still on Twitter for now. I don't know that I can quit either. Uh, my Mastodon's too complicated. You can also <laughs> find me on Instagram at Sherlinstagram because I'm funny like that. Um, email us your thoughts at podcastandengadget.com. Leave us a review you please on itunes or your podcatcher of choice and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts